Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com. 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. This is a game day podcast from TalkSport. Hello and welcome to the game day preview pod from TalkSport. Blow me down. City hammered for rearranging West Ham game in the middle of the winter break. But why? Who benefits? And does that now add to the criticism of the most disorganised and complained about winter holiday since that film with Cameron Diaz and Kate Winslet? Also this week, Wolves kick us off on Friday night with a fox hunt. Saturday sees game day follow the Saints attempting to find a way past the Pope. And Norwich hoping to become the first side this season to beat the runaway Reds. This might be reaching a little bit too Farker. Um, the battle for fourth rages as well on Monday night. Chelsea say they're out for revenge. But to pal, Manchester United have a weapon from China in their hands. And this is the Game Day Preview Pod from TalkSport. This is Game Day Premier League Preview Show. And crikey, you have to be really old to get that last one. Luckily, we're giving a debut to former Wolves, West Ham, Norwich and England winger Matt Jarvis. Hello, how are you? Hello, yes, very well, thank you. Actually, you're not that old at all, are you? You're only 33. Yeah, not very old. I mean, it concerns me. How? Is is it the beard? People looking in this window right now would assume (laughs) that I was your dad. That's so worrying. (laughs) Uh, Matt, great to have you. Uh, You've had some great moments in your career. You promoted as champions with Wolves in 2009. £10 million move uh, to West Ham United. You played for England. That England cap, that must have been the world to you. Against Ghana, I, I remember the night. It was a fantastic atmosphere at Wembley. Yeah, absolutely. It's what dreams are made of, um, you know, growing up. And I was fortunate enough that my cap was actually at Wembley, as you said. And the car, the, the atmosphere from the Ghana fans were, was incredible. All my friends, all my family were at the game. It's just something that you dream about. And to actually make that one appearance actually at Wembley just tops it all off. And Tom Rennie is here as well this week, Talk, Talk Sports International Football Editor and West Ham fan. You must have watched Matt play at the bowling ground. Uh, when he wasn't injured, uh, I did see him play many times at the bowling ground. Um, and I do remember saying on the day Matt signed uh, to people here at TalkSport, and I tweeted it as well on the day, get used to hearing this, Jarvis to Carroll, 1-0. How many times it happened? Zero times. Mainly because Andy Carroll was injured, but I do blame you as well. Well, my injuries didn't actually start at West Ham. It was afterwards. But yes, I, I can, I'll take that. Don't be afraid to give it back to him. <laughs> Never be afraid of me. Now you know that I'm like your grandparent. You, know, yeah. you can give me a bit of sass. <laughs> OK, let's move on. Let's get to the big game of the weekend. Never just given it to a Darby Tree already! 
who's shot from 25 yards out along the floor. It's kissed the inside of the post and gone in. And Molyneux has gone mad. Back into the area, comes to Chilwell! Caballero out of position. Chilwell takes advantage. He gets his second goal of the season. He's been heavily linked with Chelsea. He may just have scored the goal that beats them. Left footed strike, deflected, and Wolves have pulled a goal back. Well, the response is immediate, and the visitors have halved the deficit. Pedro Neto it is, and the veteran goalkeeper had absolutely no chance. Wolves against Leicester is Friday night. Leicester 10 points clear of fifth place Sheffield United and with a game in hand. They travel to Molyneux for a tough outing against your old club, Matt. Uh, we know how good uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers have been so far this season. Um, but how do you think this game is going to pan out? Because these are, are, are two and have been two very good teams in the league this campaign. Yeah, I think Wolves, to start with, they are the way that they set up and the way Nuno sort of sets his team out is it's, they've, they've they soak up pressure and then when they nick the ball high up the pitch, they pounce with incredible pace. So I, I can't see it being any different from a Wolves perspective. It's just depending for, for Leicester how they go about it because normally if you associate them, they do a similar sort of thing. But they, they've got the players now that they can do both. They can soak up pressure and then break with pace or they can actually dominate possession and they can pass through the lines You know, with, with the type of players they've got in the midfield as well who like to get on the ball. And So it's going to be very much, I think, uh, a Wolves team that's going to be the same as they've done all season. They're going to have a similar shape. They're going to have a similar team. They're going to try and soak up possession and when they get it, they're going to break with pace. Uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers have won both their previous Premier League home games against Leicester by 4-3 scoreline each time. I think we'll all be hoping for a bit of that and so will the TV broadcasters. The last one was in that fantastic game where Jota scored in the last minute. It was a brilliant, brilliant football match. Now, he's back in the team, but that's relegated Neto to the bench. It did against Manchester United anyway. He didn't come on until the last 20 minutes of that game. I'm not actually sure that benefited the team. He is a very tidy player. I really like him. They, they both are. But Neto has been playing particularly well. And I was quite surprised, actually, that Jota came straight back into the team and he was relegated. Yeah, I think Neto's he's he's finally found his feet. I think he's he's only been able to have a, like a bit part player because um, the manager doesn't like changing anything. But in recent weeks, he has actually shown what he's about. He's got pace. He's got great ability on the ball. But... Jota's just that he's been that you know the manager knows exactly what he's getting with him the fans love him he's direct he scores goals and that's why he's gone back in uh, I think the fitness of Adama Traore is a big question uh, for Wolverhampton Wanderers half chance of playing this week uh, we haven't heard from Nuno as we record the programme I think without him as much as Neto is good and, and, and he has a tenacity about him and he's pacey and we like Jota he's done a good job for them Without Traore, the attack falls flat. Without Traore, there is no fear factor. And without him, they will struggle to score goals. Raul Jimenez is often assisted by Adama Traore. Their link-up this season is more successful than any other in the Premier League. So I think his fitness um, is going to be a big defining factor for this game. And as well, watching Wolverhampton Wanderers, I've covered him a lot this year. Um, and I noticed that the Man United game, which was an atrocious game of football uh, before, the, before the break and all that, it was surprising and that we built it up so much, going to be great. Bruno Fernandes comes in for 
Spur, United, he can pick some holes. Troyori at Old Trafford going to be great. And the game fell very flat. What was quite noticeable is that Wolves have got this really weird record of conceding every single game. I think going into that one, it was eight games in a row they conceded at the first goal, in fact, in the game. So they looked to me like they were being a lot more cautious. It looked like Neves and Martinez were sitting slightly deeper. I think Roman Saiz is very much the leader of that back three. I think they thought Bolly would come back in and be that guy. And he doesn't seem as up to speed as he was before the injury, as is understandable. So I think they looked a lot more defensive and cautious in order to not concede that first goal, which keeps on costing them. Yeah, and he's talked about that, you know, not wanting to keep conceding the first goal in the game and having to come back. I mean, they are the comeback kids. They've managed to accumulate more points than anybody else from losing positions so far this season. And they've got a good character in that regard. But actually, is it that they were more defensive or is mm. it that Manchester United just actually aren't that good at penetrating teams and don't score that many goals? So therefore, they, they found it quite difficult, not for the first time this season, to break down a Wolverhampton Wanderers team. They're not bad defensively. I mean, mm. they're not brilliant. They're not the best team in the country at keeping clean sheets, but they're not a terrible defensive team either. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. I think with Manchester United, you expect more than you get, and I think Wolves went there expecting more than they got from United on the day. But uh, what, watching uh, Wolves as often as I have done this year, you often notice that Johnny down one side, Doherty the other, they're often so far in advance of the players in front of them. Often you find uh, Matt Doherty overlapping Traore as Traore kind of runs yeah. inside, bursts inside, has that power towards the penalty spot as opposed to the outside, and then often darts out when you don't expect it. And they didn't quite do that enough. Certainly first half against Man United, I don't think, that they tried to do it enough. Um, and I just think that's... The thing is, Matt, with, with Nuno, he is the kind of coach that, you know, you say he doesn't like to change his personnel, but he also is adaptable, isn't he? He will make a change, not necessarily personnel, but he'll change the, the direction he gives certain players in games. Right, today, you know, apart from the Cody diagonal, there's lots of other things they can mix it up and do. Let's look at Leicester. Jamie Vardy on the worst run that he's had in front of goal since December 2016 to February 2017. That's five games now without a goal in the Premier League. Has something changed in the way they play or is it as Matt suggests? Actually, they've probably played some big teams. It's taken them out of them. The Christmas period has just drained their resources. I think the key thing with Jamie Vardy is that I put him in my dream team. Um, and from that point, it's all gone downhill for him. Uh, I am a bad luck omen. Uh, if anyone wants my support, don't court it because your life will fall apart instantaneously. Um, but, but I also think that uh, he obviously got injured, came back in. He's always been a streaky player. You know, his incredible streak from four or five years ago when he broke the scoring record. You know, he is, he is known for that. But all you do with Jamie Vardy, and amazingly teams weren't doing it, is drop 10 yards. Drop 10 yards. They can't play it over the top. Madison and Tielemans have not been able to find him. And the balance of that midfield looks all off when Chowdhury is in there. And indeed, he isn't in there. There's something about that trio. Mm. You know, we talked a lot this year about Sebastian Allaire and what he did at Frankfurt and the two players around him that made the perfect trio. It's all about balance and blend when it comes to midfield, especially in football. And that trio uh, of Madison, Tielemans, and indeed, he have that blend. Chowdhury, good player. He is not the right ingredient. And that's the thing about James Madison, and you'll know this, Matt, from watching him at uh, Norwich City as well. He, he does seemingly shoot from anywhere. He's got a lot of confidence about him. <laughs> I think he's had more shots than most people in the Premier League. 50-plus shots, 58, I think, in, the, in total. He's created 64 chances for teammates. But actually, sometimes, when he gets into a shooting position, there is another ball on for somebody else who's in a better position than him, and he decides just to go for glory. And I think that's happened more often than not in the last six weeks or so. <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, he's got everything, to be honest. When he first came to, to Norwich, you just saw a player in him, and he's just developed and 
keeps on improving. So when he is in them positions, he's going to take the shot. He is. But in recent weeks, maybe you're, you're saying that. I still think that if someone was in a goal-scoring opportunity, he would pass. He is that player that he, he might have seen it and thought, OK, no, I think I've got a better opportunity in scoring than, than passing. So you can see by his statistics, he's probably looked at it and thought, we haven't been scoring. I'm going to give it a go. OK, uh, let's get to Carrow Road then, where everything points to the Canaries getting into a flap. Norwich against Liverpool is on TalkSport this Saturday, 5.30. Another one of your old clubs, Matt. And I said last week and the week before, I think, someone is going to go down with quite a lot of points this season because everyone's so concertinaed in that middle area of the Premier League and at the bottom of the Premier League. Um, Norwich are unbeaten in six of their last eight games in all competitions, but they are going to go down, aren't they? Well, everyone seems to have written them off already. Uh, and they are, yes, it's extremely difficult. And we keep saying it week in, week out. If they only get one, if they get one win and if they get two wins, you know, they're right back in it. But it's getting them wins. I mean, it, it's so hard. You've already seen this season how hard it is to pick up points. So I, I don't think they're, they're down and dusted right now. I think... Uh, you don't? No. I think if, you, if they, they have got the opportunity, like Southampton, they've got a goal scorer... Uh, in Pookie that they will score goals. Their biggest thing, obviously, is conceding. They've got the the worst record in the Premier League for conceding goals. So that is something they have to do. But they they still, they play their own way. The manager, they've got their system. That's the way they play. If they can repeat the performance they did against uh, Liverpool in the first game of the season, you know, obviously they... Didn't they lose? They did, well, yes. don't repeat that. Yeah, yeah. But they... But they played extremely well. Everyone was completely blown away by how they did it. Yes, they were naive, I think. They went to Anfield and they, they did get... You were covering, you enjoyed yeah. the game. We I were did, doing it, yeah, we? Yeah, we were, yeah. It was completely an open game. We had a is... lovely time. It was all, it was all <laughs> fun watching Norwich. Everyone had a nice smile at the end. And then they lost. lost. This, is, this, is, this is the David Connolly argument. They're a great side, Norwich. They're a great side. Well, they're going to go down. Yeah. So it doesn't matter how good they yeah. are or how pretty they are. I agree. Ultimately, they're going to end up in the championship. There's no nastiness about Norwich City. Everyone loves them. Everyone loves the Canaries. Everyone loves Pookie. Good old Delia. Everyone loves Cantwell. Isn't he a handsome young boy? I hope he gets a lovely move to the Premier League next year. Look at those lovely legs, all that sort of stuff. No! In the centre of midfield, you need one or two utter destroyers. Monsters. Get in there. Strong tackles. Get the crowd up. You know, all the Norwich fans. There's a lot of Norwich fans that work here and I talk to them and they're just happy to go down. You had your shot on the big stage and it was atrocious. If they'd have sacked Farker in January and brought in Big Sam, they'd stay up. And what's more important, playing lovely football and getting back in the championship for five more years and having the best pies in England or being in the Premier League? Apparently the answer is the championship. Well, two things, actually. They've lost the title of best pies in the uh, Premier League now because Leicester City do much better savoury pastries at half-time and they deliver them to your seat. And they are... And Matt will tell you this. If he was there in the Chelsea game, the sausage roll with black pudding infused into the middle of the meat was absolutely sensational. (laughs) And I don't eat sausage rolls on a regular basis I've got to be honest with you but when I go to Leicester City I save myself and I have a whole one I don't even share it with anyone I just gobble the whole lot We can tell it's just a different class We can tell by looking at the physique of, of both Sam and you you're not regular sausage roll eaters I am uh, and I would say that they're also uh, good sausage rolls at, Ca- at Carrow Road which I had fairly recently so uh, I think we should do some sort of sausage roll test next time we're at these Happy grounds let's get them in a bag bring them back and that's your preview show extra next week <laughs> To be honest with you, Stuart Pearce did say that the Leicester City 
so- the Leicester City sausage roll was the best uh, sausage he's ever had on his lips. That is a quote. Um, Liverpool should tear um, Norwich to absolute shreds. But that is what we said when Manchester City went down there. I remember saying on the opening pod of the season that I thought Norwich would score in their first game against uh, Liverpool. And they did. Tom, you famously predicted, and I, I don't know if we've got the quote, a 10-0 victory uh, for Liverpool. <laughs> Could have been. Uh, what outlandish score are you going for this time? Uh, I'm still trying to get over Stuart Pearce cast as Julian Cleary, to be honest. I'm just trying to move on from that as, as, as quickly <laughs> as I can. Uh, I'm sure he did. I look forward to hearing the tapes. Um I don't think it's going to be a massive win. I think we've seen a uh, switch in Liverpool. We've all seen it in the last five or six weeks. They've gone from, I think, across the season as well, to be fair, but a lot more in recent weeks. They're they're just trying to get the job done now. They look a lot like Antonio Conte's second half of the season with Chelsea. Same with Mourinho's second half of the season at Chelsea when he had Fabregas and Costa and went, went, went on to win the league. They have shut it down. They have shut this league down. And I think um, they won't risk Sadio Mane in this game. That would be a mistake. They say he's fit, but what's the point of playing him? I think Liverpool will win comfortably. I think they'll probably win 2-0. And the game will be 80% to 20% possession. Norwich will have a shot. And the Norwich fans will come on and say, oh, wasn't it great that Pookie had that shot? It was so brilliant. It made us all so proud. Um, but it'll be a fairly regulation 2-0. Well, and the reason for that is, if you look back at the last three games between the two at Carrow Road, we've seen loads of goals. 5-4, I think it was, last season or the season before last. 3-2 to Liverpool previous to that. 5-2 uh, to Liverpool the time before that. But Liverpool, to me, are a lot more disciplined now. It's like they get themselves in front in a game and then they strangle the absolute life out of it, make it quite a dull game, actually, uh, to shut it down, to make sure that they don't end up losing their, their winning position. And by doing that, over the next six games, they're going to win the title. They've got the players that can, if they need to, like you've seen in so many recent games that, you know, it's it's tight. They're either drawing nil-nil or it was with one all, and they just seem to get a goal and that's it. They That's it. They don't go on these four or five nil wins anymore. But they have got the players that if they are struggling, they've got the players that can turn it on. It's just a matter of for them making sure that they are still firing. I, I'm not sure I fully agree uh, that they're going to wrap it up with you know five or six wins and get it all done because I mean I was at the West Ham game recently and in that game West Ham had five massive chances to score a goal because they're West Ham and incompetent they didn't score what them. What was the score? Um, as you say, uh, the result is the only thing that matters. But what we do see with this Liverpool side is that in the last few weeks they are giving away chances and teams are not always incompetent as West Ham. I think there are chances to be taken not against Norwich. You know Norwich don't want to be in the Premier League. They're well happy being seventh in the championship and having the second best sausage rolls in England. But going forward, I think teams are going to get chances and they will take chances against Liverpool because there's a slight switch off there because the league is won and the Champions League's coming back. It'll it'll inevitably happen. No chance. I I don't actually think that they'll win it against Crystal Palace um, because I think that game will be postponed um, (laughs) for FA Cup reasons. (laughs) So they'll probably win it at Manchester City with a draw the following week, which will be probably apt, I suppose. Yeah, that's what we want to happen, isn't it? We want to try and manipulate the fixtures so it's against Man City. Let's make it happen. Either that or the week before against Everton. It's a great narrative. Those six games that they do need to win, by the way, they're not the most testing of matches. They've got Norwich, which they would be expected to win. They've got West Ham, which they definitely will win. Uh, Watford, Bournemouth, 
Everton and Crystal Palace. I mean, it's certainly not the hardest of fixtures. If you look at them in isolation, bearing in mind only one team have taken a point off of them all season, you would expect them to absolutely breeze this. Look, they're going to win the league and, they, and they've been fantastic doing it. And congratulations to them when it happens. Uh, I just hope it's live on Talk Sport. Um, right, OK, lots more games still to come, including that rearranged match between Manchester City and West Ham. Arsenal against Newcastle. And the dream team selection this week is Aston Villa against Tottenham. But the big game on Monday night is Chelsea. Chelsea against Manchester United. Trying to find Abram, he's pushing a bit wide, and a fantastic cross. It's turned in by Pulisic, and Chelsea lead by two goals for nil. Edge of the area is James, who strikes it right-footed, and finds the back of the net with an absolute rasper. Well, it was almost a carbon copy of the goal he scored against Crystal Palace last week at Old Trafford. He's put Manchester United in front. Here is Conte moving through the centre, getting on the end of a loose ball and squeezing it past the advancing Edison and giving Chelsea the lead. Well, Tammy Abraham was following it in, but I think N'Golo Conte got there and steered it over the line and gives Chelsea a much-deserved lead. A breakaway goal has been coming and it's finished off by an unlikely source. Chelsea drew at Leicester, and I think Frank Lampard, actually, when I spoke to him afterwards, was very happy with that. Uh, they've got a great record against Manchester United at home, one defeat in 17 home matches, and they're out for revenge, because on the opening week of the season, I went to this game with Sam Allardyce, they were absolutely demolished at Old Trafford, but the scoreline did not reflect the actual performance in the game. And I remember sitting in that in that match and turning around and saying to a couple of Manchester United fans, Chelsea will still finish higher than Manchester United this season because they look like a better team. They just didn't convert their chances. What do you think, Matt? Yeah, I remember that game. Um, Chelsea played extremely well. And uh, yeah, the, the result didn't um, show the, the full game. But Chelsea, they're going through that bit of where the youngsters that come in they've been absolutely fantastic uh, Lampard was looking to you know, obviously the transfer ban was lifted he was think, I'm sure he was thinking right we just need to get a few players in now because you know the, the, the youngsters have done so well but we just need to get a few players in and nothing's happened and you could see his frustration because again at the mm. Leicester game they were losing they were losing 2-1 they took off Abraham and Batshuayi was on the bench and who did he bring on? Ross Barkley. Mm. So he, he's obviously having a look up at the stands and saying, this is, I needed to sign players. You mentioned Ross Barkley and he's another problem in that what is quite a static midfield that doesn't score enough goals. Jorginho gets a lot of penalties but doesn't score from open play. Kovacic hardly ever scores. Conte hardly ever scores. The return of Ruben Loftus-Cheek, who has played a few friendlies, can't come quick enough, Tom. Yeah. I'm not sure that Chelsea should be betting their future on Ruben Loftus-Cheek. I think he's in the Wilshire category. His body just isn't going to be able to cut more than 20 games at the top level in English football. You know, we've seen it over the years now. He's a great talent. We love the way he carries the ball forward with that power, but you can't build a season around someone you can't rely on. It's as simple as that for Chelsea. I think from the Leicester game, I think that was the first time we saw Frank Lampard just throw spaghetti at the wall and hope something stuck. That was the first time where he was like exasperated with my options. As Matt says with the striker situation, he comes off, Barkley comes on. You know, look at the, the Caballero for Kepa. Yes, Kepa's been in really bad form. You predicted it on the show that it would happen, but it seemed odd that they would do it because Willie Caballero, God bless him, even at peak 
he's not been a Premier League shot stopper. Yeah, bald and beard, it's a great look. But apart from that, there's nothing to like about Caballero playing in the Premier League. So, uh, well, he made a save, which which helps yeah. because most of the shots on target previously have gone straight past Kepa, haven't they? Yeah, that is true. Kepa is in bad form. There's no denying that. But I still find it an odd situation that that's what he has to do. And I think a lot of it was a message, as Matt says, that if you want to keep me and you want to be in the Champions League next year and you want to continue to grow as a club, we can't have another window where we don't buy players. What was interesting, though, I thought about the game against Leicester. You know, Rudiger scored twice uh, and what a great performance it was from him going forward. But he's the best defender at the club. And, of course, he's had so many injuries and so many issues, a stop-start return to the side. There were moments, definitely in that first half, I thought, when he was just shutting down Jamie Vardy, he was shutting down Harvey Barnes and shutting down Ayose Perez on the cover, well-positioned, strong challenges. I think that's been lacking at Chelsea all season long. So I think there's a reason to be cheerful here. Um, I, I would imagine... But I also Kepler think he's been lacking to do that, hasn't he? I mean, he's come back and, as you say, it's been a stop-start re-inclusion yeah. into the team. But he hasn't been that great since coming back into the team. I thought everybody thought, well, as soon as he comes back, all Chelsea's defensive issues will be solved. Yeah. That didn't really turn out to be the case. And you say he's the best defender at the club. Currently is. I think Fakayu Tomori over time might well take over that mantle Maybe, yeah. because I think he's been superb. Uh, and I think it'd be interesting to see what happens when he gets back to, to full fitness. Look, 2020 hasn't also been very kind to Manchester United. Uh, they've taken four points from 15 available in the Premier League so far this uh, year. Only Crystal Palace have earned fewer. How much difference will Bruno Fernandes and Odion Agallo make, Matt? I love the shaking head there as you were saying that. Matt was just going, I can't believe that. I just can't believe those are real stats. Sorry, that was a just great watch. Um, I mean, them stats are terrible. Um, Fernandes, a fantastic player. I think, you know, everyone talking about his ability he he does look a, a, an incredible player and he will bring that flair bit of um, the Scholes-esque like passing creating chances the problem they have is Rashford's injured the movement wise Martial's movement's not quite Rashford's movement He he's very good when he gets the ball or when he's already in behind the fullbacks his, his actual movement to make the run for someone to play him in is, is not quite there at the moment Gala When's when's he going to be fit? When's he going to be fully fit? Is he going to be used as a as a sub? Is he going to be used as the last ten minutes, or is is he going to play? And then you're going to have Martial on 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 the wing. He looked in great shape on his Instagram, posting a little video of his his training regime, sweating heavily as he couldn't get to Spain because of the coronavirus, so he wasn't allowed to join the training camp. Well, I'm sure he's uh, upped his training for sure <laughs> since he heard yes, about so and, and yes. signed Dream on the dotted line. True and yes. all that. 41 goals in 100 appearances at Watford, which is quite a good return, by the way. Uh, but 20 of those came in one season in the Championship, when yep. he got 20 goals in 46 Championship games. Um, how much of a gamble is it really, though? Because they've only paid a loan fee for him, which is not, you know, in the grand scheme of things, a bit of a pittance. And they aren't playing the huge wages that he was earning mm. in China. If it doesn't work out, it's five months' worth of cost, and ultimately nothing is lost, is it? I think they've lost... I think they've done reputational damage. I think that's what it is more than anything here. You know, you bring a Gallo in, he scores five goals, it's a relatively small loan fee, as you mentioned. You know, so what? Who cares? But right now, what you've got... I watched the Milan derby at the weekend, uh, and Romelu Lukaku has never looked fitter. He's never looked sharper. He's lost half a stone, maybe more, since we last saw him in in the Premier League. And you contrast that with buying a guy who fizzled out at Watford four years ago and has not been the scorer in the, uh, the top scorer in the Chinese Super League, despite being a foot tall and every other player over there in his time in that country, right? You know, you look at that, and reputationally, I think if I'm a top striker, I'd be going, they're clueless. They're a clueless, a clueless group when it comes to buying players. I think the damage of buying a player like that 
in blind panic could have huge ramifications for Man United when they look to bring in the actual replacement this summer. But that's the issue, isn't it? They want to get the actual replacement in the summer. They don't want to or couldn't prize whoever this person is away in January. And because they needed someone to fill a stopgap because of the Marcus Rashford injury, they just needed a bit of help, just like Fergie brought in Henrik Larsson all those years ago. And it's not the same as Henrik Larsson, one of European football's best players of the previous But Manchester United years. are not in the same position as they were during that time. In, in that time, they could attract someone like Henrik Larsson to come in and save the season because ultimately they were still fighting for the Premier League and for the European Champions League. Now they're fighting to get into the European Champions League. They'll be lucky enough to get into the Europa League yeah. next season. It's it's difficult times for them, but as you said, I think that's that's the ultimate. They didn't want to either spend the money or couldn't get the the player that they wanted, and they're all this rebuilding in the summer. They're going to be spending money. You know, um, Woodward's already come out and said they will be spending money in the summer. So it is a stopgap, yeah. and 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 they're gonna they've got that. They're buying young players that are you know going to have potential, and they're going to you know build this incredible squad around it, and that's. That's the philosophy and that's what they're going to do in the summer, but they couldn't do it in January. Another really bad Manchester United stat for you, Matt, that you can sweat and shake your head (laughs) over. Uh, United have failed to score in four of their last five Premier League games, including in each of the last three in a row. I mean, it's spectacular, isn't it? Uh, Right, to the Emirates and to 10th placed Arsenal against 12th placed Newcastle United. Not that Newcastle's fans would let you believe it, but Arsenal and Newcastle have the exact same number of points. Yes, growth has been slow, if non-existent under Mike Ashley, uh, but they are living within their means when others aren't, and they are having a solid season. 12th and in the FA Cup last 16, uh, where they've got a championship team, likely to rest a few away from home. No, they're not exciting, not exciting at all. And they're not exactly getting their money's worth in terms of goals from Joel Inting. Um, But he does cause a few issues, and ultimately, it's been an okay season, hasn't it, for, for Steve Bruce? Better than, than many people predicted, right? Oh, it's been an <laughs> Stop o- rubbing your cheeks. It's been an okay season in the sense they are not in the relegation battle, right? I, I fully appreciate that. You know, they're not currently involved down the bottom with the guys that are panicking, Bournemouth, Watford, etc. However, if you are a season ticket holder at Newcastle United, and there are fewer of those than ever before... That is not entertainment. That is not football. That is not why the Premier League became the the most successful commercial product around the world when it comes to sport. It is disgusting to watch. It is just awful, negative, anti. Even Tony Pulis would watch that and say, oh, it's not very entertaining, is it? You know, it's just it's just hideous football. And I know why they're doing it. I see why they're doing it. And I understand why Steve Bruce is doing it. it Even this weekend, sorts, 11 though, players are out. It does take all sorts. But, I mean, my word, this is an absolute prize pig of a team. So you're saying that about Newcastle, but complete opposite for Norwich. Um, I would say that I have more respect for what Newcastle are doing. Doesn't mean I want to watch it. But, but Newcastle, you can't you can't have a go at Norwich for not playing a Sam Allardyce way and not appointing Sam Allardyce and bringing him in in January to save them and basically dig their way out of uh, relegation trouble with with a trudge and then have a go at uh, Steve Bruce and Newcastle for trudging their way through the season. Yeah, but I'm not talking about from a fan's perspective when I talk about what I'm watching. When I watch them, I think it's hideous. But Norwich should be doing it to stay in the league. It's not that it's not understandable. It's not what they, you know, I don't think they shouldn't, they should try and play lovely football and lose every week like Norwich. But to watch it, it's just, it just 
disrespects the very concept of football. If that's what football was, and the people writing the dictionary were writing the definition of football, and they saw what Newcastle did, it would have a total different definition. It would be waste of a day out. There is a ball involved. I don't think you should. I do not think you should do any more Newcastle games. I think. I think you're completely giving a misrepresentation about how they're playing. They've damaged me, Sam. Not enjoying yourself. They've damaged me. And ultimately, uh, I'm probably giving Steve Bruce a bit too much credit because. I thought it was ridiculous that people got so annoyed that he was appointed as their manager because I didn't understand it. Like, yeah. Who else do you think you're going to get? Mike Ashley, look, okay, Newcastle, a massive club. Newcastle, great history. Newcastle, when I think of Newcastle, I think of Alan Shearer, Kevin Keegan, uh, Bobby Robson. Fantastic. But ultimately, Mike Ashley isn't going to spend that money. Mike Ashley isn't going to throw a superstar Jose Mourinho-type figure at this team. So, Steve Bruce probably is the best you're going to get. I mean, Rafa Benitez was a one-off and Rafa did that to enhance his own reputation. Yeah, I think you, like you, you brought it up at the start when he got appointment, there was uproar. But if, if you would have looked where they were now, points, you know, same points as Arsenal, everyone would have snapped their hand off right at the start. He was the odds-on favourite to be sacked at the start of the season. And he, he, I'm pretty sure he'll be nowhere near it now. Yeah, I mean, God bless him for it. I, you know, well done. You, you found a way to keep this awful team up without any real backing. It's not really been Good the same. Good luck to him. But, I mean, it, I, I don't see it as a long-term future plan. I know Newcastle don't do long-term future plans, but, I mean, they can't get people in because of the owner. And those that do turn up get served up that. I mean, there's got to be other things to do in Newcastle. Brilliant theatres, you know, some lovely bars. Go do something else. Newcastle haven't won at Arsenal since Andy Carroll was in top-notch, Nick. Well, when he was scoring goals anyway. Um, They've lost their last seven uh, at the Emirates Stadium, but Arsenal are quite vulnerable. Mikel Arteta himself has only won one of his seven Premier League games in charge. And when you look at the way that the fans are reacting to to, to these two managers, it looks a little bit extreme, doesn't it? Newcastle, maybe their supporters are being a little bit harsh on their manager. And Arsenal fans, they're giving Mikel Arteta, Matt, an easy ride, aren't they? They are. Because he's come in and they can see a difference in the actual shape, the team, the performance. Yes, the results aren't there, and but you can actually see a difference of the way that he's playing his football compared to what they were watching before. So I think they can actually see a bit of a change. Yes, the results, and, and if they could carry on in the next couple of games, that view might change, uh, especially at home to, to Newcastle. This is a key period, Tom, isn't it? Because Arsenal do have a very young side. It Mm. will take time for him to get his methods across. But they've been in Dubai, warm weather training during this winter break. So this is where we should be seeing Arteta's work bear fruit. Yeah, I think so far they have looked like a team under a caretaker manager. All this build for a new future under Arteta stuff, I'm not sure how much I buy that. I think there is a real feel that he right now is a stopgap caretaker manager until they can be in a position to appoint somebody of real class. And, and maybe that comes from the lack of money going into Arsenal from the Cronky. So right now they're in a stopgap situation. I don't know. But I thought it was quite interesting this week. I was doing a phone-in about Arsenal a couple of days ago, following the quotes from uh, Unai Emery in France football. And um, we're reading some of them out about, you know, they're a club on a downward <laughs> slope. They've been on it for the last couple of years. And, you know, there's too many players in this team didn't have the right attitude. Uh, too many players were acting like stars, but not playing like stars. He came out and said, Nicolas Pepe is not someone I wanted to buy. 
And the question was to, to the audience, right, so you've heard these. You can say that Unai Emery's embittered about what happened, and he's right to be. But if you move that away, let's talk about what he's actually saying. This is what all you fans have been saying for years of the issues of Arsenal. The old manager has come out and said it. And right now, the new manager is being set up to fail like the old manager. But they're still so entrenched in their hatred of Emery and their love for Arteta, it seems, that they're not reading the issues that are right in front of them. And the issues are pretty clear, and he has articulated them, but ultimately, he had the responsibility for sorting them out and didn't do it. So therefore, you can understand why people yeah. are saying, well, it's all right you going on and saying this, but you were in a position of influence within that club, and you didn't do anything about it. Uh, right, let's move on to the Dream Team section. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, begambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. And Andrew Butler is here from Dream Team FC. Hello, Andrew. Hello, Sam. How are you doing? Yeah, we're good, thank you. Have you recovered from your abysmal performance in the quiz last week? <laughs> it's taken five seconds before you bring that up. I can't. I honestly, I can't. Look, I, I'm, I'm going to approach it as a um, uh, as a professional footballer would, uh, and say, look, I'm looking forward to the next game. <laughs> That was just a blip in the season. Looking forward to the end of the season quiz. Uh, I will improve because uh, yeah. I have to because there's not there's quite a lot to improve on as well. Well, also it's one of those situations now where you just keep it simple, don't you? you just 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 make sure that you give stock answers. You don't try and do anything elaborate because you're going to get caught out uh, from now until the end of the season. You never know. You may well earn a new contract for next year. Um, let's uh, ask you something that you should know. Then the answer to um, because of the uh, Manchester City West Ham game being. Canceled, cancelled and then not cancelled and then into a midweek where it's supposed to be a winter break where does it fall as far as dream team is concerned yeah as far as dream team is concerned it does fall into this coming game week so good chance to get your city players in um it's a shame for obviously the the fact that it got postponed um was the only bonus kind of for west ham last weekend Um, but it, it does mean that um it comes into this game week so it's quite a weird game week anyway because we've got so many games spread over so many days um, that Wednesday one will just kind of feel a bit more natural anyway. 
Okay, uh, let's talk about Aston Villa against Tottenham Hotspur then. Um, a couple of new signings for Tottenham Hotspur who you might want to crook into your dream team and maybe one or two from Aston Villa as well. What you got for me? Yeah, well, Steven Bergwijn um, played fantastically, but I think he might have a knot this weekend. So um, he, he'll, he'll be struggling. Um, seen a couple of percent uh, people picking him so far as well. So um, obviously someone when he comes in and plays his debut uh, and plays so well in that um, we're always going to get some movement in the market for him um, but his players like Son Hyun Min who's actually going um, quietly about his business um, 158 points mm. so far this season once again um, he's the sixth highest scoring striker on the game too um, that you'll probably be wanting to make sure you get those sort of players in rather than the new signings quite yet I would say no uh, interest in Samata? Uh, Samata. Samata. Almost Samata face. If he gets the ball in the face, earlier. look forward to Matta face working something in there. <laughs> if anyone can make it work, he can make it work. But, I mean, I, I'm clutching at straws, really. It's the Villa game ever. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's, he's in the game at 1.7 million. Got a goal against Bournemouth. Um, scored him eight points. Uh, maybe a bit too early to say quite yet. A 1.7 million is... Um, you know, it's not that enticing a, a prospect considering that Villa are, are 17th in the table and just about hanging in, uh, in there above the relegation zone. But um, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll look forward to Samata doing face, something matter. Face, face so, uh, I, I, look, I wrote this down earlier and I was like, look, I'm going to well, try. This is about as good as your I'm quiz. Gonna... <laughs> Wait, well, you wrote try. this down. This is not off the cuff. This is your actual material. I thought Samata face. Can I work that in? And it turns out, no, I can't. No. And this might be cut. You yeah. never know. No, this is all staying in. Every I like your whole bit should stay in because this is like this for ten minutes. Just half cocked ideas for ten minutes. You'd think that you'd come quite prepared, wouldn't you? I did come prepared with one with, uh, one oh, sort right. of half of half, half baked. Uh, if you're doing half, your type five, I wouldn't open with it. Okay. <laughs> um, in terms of Tottenham's uh, defence, um, they've ended up conceding quite a lot of goals recently. I mean, Jan Vertonghen, we saw him coming off almost in tears in the game against Southampton the other week. Is there anybody in that Tottenham defence who you might uh, decide to draft into your team? Jaffit Tanganga, maybe. Well, yeah, Tanganga's in there at uh, 1.9 million. He scored 33 points so far. And actually, his average points is um, 4.7 um, per game, which is really quite impressive. Um, Serge Aurier uh, is their highest um, point-scoring defender. He's got 96 points um, so far this season 3.5 million not a bad one unbelievable but he's my dream team doesn't relate to real life <laughs> it? it's because well do you get it, bonus points for comedy value it's the only so, so dream team is the only place where a manager can, can select Serge Aurier and it not be a massive gamble <laughs> well look Jose Mourinho seems to like him as well so and he's kind of pushing him a little bit he hasn't got another right back well, the other, that's quite right. But um, yeah, Tanganga is also, Tanganga at 4.7 points per game so far is actually pretty impressive. Um, I would think about getting him in if he continues to get selected, which, I mean, at the moment, he is getting a look in. He is indeed. Andrew, thank you very much. Thank you, Samata, Samata face. Move on, move on. <laughs> The reason this fixture is being played next week is because uh, there are only two spare midweek slots for Manchester City to fit in a West Ham United game. And City have already needed one of those for the Arsenal game, postponed after they reached the EFL Cup final. And if they progress past Sheffield Wednesday in the FA Cup, Pep Guardiola's side could have another two games 
called off. So they can do without West Ham using up one of their slots. But hold on a minute. Just because it could inconvenience Manchester City when they're going into the latter stages of the Champions League and the FA Cup, if they get there, is it okay to undermine the already maligned winter break by staging their game next week? After all, Pep Guardiola was the biggest proponent of the, the winter break. Our players need it. Our players must have it. It's ridiculous, all these games over Christmas, blah, 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 blah. And is there a danger, actually, that when West Ham get relegated, they will harp back to this and say, well, everyone had a winter break except for us because arguably they could be the victims here. You're 100% right that the winter break has been a mess. I think everyone who's watched it over the last couple of weeks would agree that the current system, which they are going to do again next year, hasn't made sense. There were multiple teams with an FA Cup replay that had to delay their, their going away on holiday. Of course, the Liverpool story and now West Ham and Man City having a truncated break. Um, I, I think that the only way to solve it, which won't happen, is that they have a full five days over a weekend next year where there are no games. And in those five days, which could be this weekend coming up, no replays, no Champions League, no Europe, Thursday through Tuesday, everybody can go away and have it off and have the full weekend off. Uh, and we know the reasons why that won't happen. Um, I will say that West Ham aren't getting relegated because they're going to go on a great run against Tottenham, Chelsea and Arsenal in the coming weeks. But unfortunately, the Man City game is going to be a bit of a mess uh, in midweek next week. What annoys me, though, is that if this was the other way around, Matt, right? Man City would have gone, well, we've got a game here. We've got a game there. We can't play that one. It doesn't suit our schedule. And West Ham seem to have just gone, oh, well, if that's the only date you can do, then we'll play the game. Like, Could they not have dug their heels in a little bit and said, no, well, you need to find some time in May to play this when it suits us, not when it suits you, yeah. and hopefully get Man totally City's agree. second team in May. Yeah, they should have. Or they, maybe they couldn't. They but didn't, why? Didn't it's a, it's, it is a winter break. So ultimately, they should have just said, no, we're not doing it yeah. because it doesn't fit with our schedule. I do, I do agree with Tom that if there's a winter break, there's a winter break. doesn't matter about all the different things. You should have the winter break and you should have no fixtures. So this doesn't work. Indeed. Indeed. Um, the other game this weekend, which is live on TalkSport 12.30 on Saturday, is Southampton against Burnley. And this is a fascinating game. Um, like Newcastle and Arsenal, locked on 31 points. I don't think either have had a particularly good season. But are they both safe from relegation trouble? Matt, what do you reckon? Um, I would say for the moment, yes, they are. You you look at it and you think, are the teams going to catch them? I mean, if if they didn't win a game till the end of the season, obviously, you know that 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 is completely different, and they will get relegated. I think, but I can't see them not picking up any points. They've Southampton have been on such a good run, and then they've just had a little dip, but they've still been playing well in games. They've still got players that are scoring goals, so they're always going to get a result. Burnley, they're up and down. They've they've been winning games, they've been losing games. You know, they they've not been consistent this season, but they do have a, a squad and a team that works well. They play, uh, teams that go there, they find it hard to get results. They they play that four four two formation where they've got two really good hard-working strikers that seem to score goals. And, and if, you're, if you were any other team going, oh, we've got to go away to Burnley, you're like, well, oh, that's a tough place to go. Um, Southampton have gone six games without beating Burnley in the Premier League. I'd imagine that Wood and Rodriguez are the kind of forwards that the Saints defence, which is he's not the best, absolutely fear. 
Yeah, I think that's a fair point. I think that um, if any game this weekend has got Golden Straw written over it, I think it's probably this one. Uh, I think that Southampton away from home have been very impressive, but at home they have struggled. I think the key thing for them is to not concede in a game like this because their away form has seemingly got them over the line. And Burnley don't concede many goals either. They would love a nil-nil draw at St Mary's. I think that both attacks will be blunted. And I've been very negative on the show this week, but I'm not watching this one either. <laughs> it's the winter break. It's depressed me, is what it is. You're, all, you're always negative. You're the most <laughs> negative person I've ever met. Right, let's move on to the commentator's curse. Players, we're going to put the mockers on, or clubs, we're going to put the mockers on this week by giving a statistical reason as to why they should do well in this round of matches. Who wants to go first? Yeah, I'd like to take one about Manchester City. Pep Guardiola has a phenomenal record against so many sides uh, across his career at Barcelona, Bayern Munich and now Man City. He has won eight of his meetings against West Ham in all competitions. That is a managerial best for him during his career. The only other 100% records he's got come against Malaga and Watford, also winning eight out of eight against those teams. But this coming Wednesday in the rearranged game, the curse is now upon you, Pep. Robert Snodgrass, last minute, 1-0 to the Hammers. And it's all my fault. (laughs) Matt, can you beat that? I will try. Um, you need something so, outlandish. This is I've good. Got, I've got, I've got something. Let's try not to ruin it. <laughs> In rehearsals, he's nailed this zero times. So let's find out if he can do it live. Okay. So this weekend, <laughs> you have Norwich and Liverpool. So the last team to beat. Just got a phone call <laughs> midway through reading it. This this stat is fully cursed already. Okay, come on. Okay, let's go again. Off. Right. So. The, the, the last team to be bottom of the table and beat the top of the league and stay up was actually a Wolves team that I was playing in who set up the first goal, might I add, for George Elikobi, who we beat Man United 2-1. So in 2011, and it's up to Norwich to do the same against Liverpool. Oh, there's so many echoes of the Matt Jarvis connection there. It's great. I love it. Uh, fantastic. I well done. Finally got uh, it out. Look forward to that. I'm going to that game on Saturday. It's live on TalkSport. Now, in the time since the Newcastle striker, Joe Ellington, scored his last Premier League goal, you could have run six and a half marathons at an average man's pace. You could have flown from Sydney to London with stops in between. You could have listened to Hotel California by the Eagles 272 times. <laughs> or you could have watched The Holiday with Cameron Diaz and Kate Winslet 12 and a half times. Yes, Joe Ellington has gone 22 Premier League games and 1,766 minutes without scoring. But his last goals, folks, were in North London against Spurs. And this weekend, he returns to North London against their arse rivals, Arsenal. It is a dead cert that he's going to get on the score sheet. That's There's twice in the same forward. show that you've referenced the holiday with Cameron Diaz. Have you watched that this week? <laughs> Let me tell you now, I started the programme with the holiday. I'm ending it with the holiday. Very nice. It's cack, that film as well, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Jack Black as a sex symbol. You know, I hate hope that for film. the rest of us. I just don't ever get it. I just Every time, I, like, my missus puts it on every Christmas, she thinks it's the best Christmas film. I just think this is the worst Christmas film I've ever seen. It's nowhere near as good as Daddy's Home 2. Anyway, <laughs> um, I will see you both very soon. Thank you very much. That's Matt Jarvis and Tom Rennie. 
Right, you'll be able to download the record book on Monday morning, reviewing all the weekend's action with Danny Kelly. And on Saturday night, Sunday morning, you'll get the verdict with Adrian Durham. If you download our game day podcast feed from Acast, from Spotify, from Apple, from Google, or anywhere else that you get your podcasts from. We've got live games this weekend. It's Southampton against Burnley. And then on Saturday night, I'll be at Norwich against Liverpool, live on TalkSport. That was a game day Premier League preview show, a TalkSport exclusive podcast. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 